You're listening to Tim Talks, Taking Interest in Ministry, a conversation between two great friends with over 70 years of ministry between them. Ministering on opposite sides of the border, Dr. Al Stone is the General Director of Bearing Precious Seed Canada and Pastor Emeritus of the Bible Baptist Church in St. Thomas, Ontario, Canada, while Pastor Dan Wolven pastors the North Columbus Baptist Church in Columbus, Ohio. Listen now as Al and Dan review and relate their experiences in hopes of helping others who are taking an interest in ministry. Now, here is Tim Talks. Welcome to Tim Talks. Herbs and spices, or whatever they put in that stuff. <laughs> oh man, so good! I I didn't have one for a couple weeks when I was in Florida, and uh, gotta tell you, I was uh, I was getting a little withdrawal. So I'm back in the saddle and doing great. Oh yeah, Buffalo has Tim Docs. Uh, no. Oh, they Tim do. Hortons. Yes. They've got both. They've got both. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, uh, there's one close by, and the guy was awesome this morning. I went to use my app, and the Tim Hortons app is terrible. It's terrible. Oh. And what really stinks is I can get rewards in Canada on my app, but I can't get rewards in the States. But huh. they'll take my money. They'll take my yeah. money off oh, my yeah. Canadian app. What a ripoff. So I said to the guy this morning, I said, this app won't come. He goes, I know, I'm I'm sick. He's the owner. He said, I'm sick of it. He goes, I, I checked the competitors. He said, I go to McDonald's and Starbucks. There's all works, you know, tickety-boo. He says, yours didn't work. He goes, I'm going to give you a dollar off your coffee. And I said, yeah, this this app really is bad, really bad. <laughs> <laughs> so it worked out all I right, have but, never yeah. used the McDonald's app. I no, just, I haven't either. After... Going to McDonald's all my life and ordering at the drive-thru, I just, yep. I can't use the app. But I use yeah, it on Chick-fil-A and other places, but oh, I just, oh. I just don't like the. Have you been into YouTube. the new, have you been into the new McDonald's where you just go to the kiosk and there's nobody at a counter oh, anymore? Yes. Have you done that one? Oh, min- they've like been, man, I think oh. that's been probably about three or four years here. Oh, yeah, we we are just getting into that. In fact, I just I saw that uh, for the first time when we were in Florida. I've never been to one that was fully integrated into that. They've always had somebody at the counter still, and this was a complete thing. I, I didn't really care for it, i got to be honest with you. It didn't work out too good for us. It took forever, and, um, yeah, the order wasn't right and stuff. So, yeah, but well, I don't know. That's the way of the world. You know, Columbus is the 12th largest city in the yeah. nation, so, well, you know, true. We're, we're not some backwater little hick town so yeah when 90 percent of your population goes to mcdonald's for food that's probably (laughs) probably what it is (laughs) we are the home of wendy's and white castle are you at white castle yeah wow i don't know if i'd be broadcasting that to be honest (laughs) white castle is either white or black i mean you either love them or hate them yeah there's no in between no That's in between, right. and I yeah. hate them. I've always yeah. hated them. Yeah, biting uh, one of those little sliders, and all I taste is onions, and I don't really care for onions. Yeah, yeah. Um, we have a lady in our church who absolutely loves those things. Oh, really? And I, I only had them once or twice when I was in Cleveland. I've never gone back since. I need to go back and see, you know, reminisce. I remember a lot of grease, very small, strong onion. Uh, and I do like onions, so maybe I need to go back and try it again. Yeah, just you to may like the it. hometown heroes there. So, yeah, way to go. <laughs> so there's two free advertisements we should be getting paid for. Why are we Why are we mentioning all these people we never get well, paid for? Well, what we're trying to do is we're trying to talk about decisions we make 
that we oh. don't doubt. So, oh. you know, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't doubt not going to White Castle <laughs> and not using the app. I don't doubt going to McDonald's. I love McDonald's. I love their French fries. I always have, my wife says, it's like chewing cardboard. I'm like, no way. They're the best. You got that little crunch with the little soft on the inside. Oh. Now, I haven't had a McDonald's burger for about uh, six weeks, I think. Wow. Now, the best French fries of all time, no question, Swiss Chalet in Canada. The best French no. fries ever. No, yep. no, no, no. Absolutely. Yeah. It, you just yep. a yep. gravy lover. Well, it's not really gravy, but I love that <laughs> sauce. But, um, I do love the French fries, i got to say. Wow, that's way off topic for today, but <laughs> let's make some executive decisions, shall there we? There you go. Like, let's get started. Let's do this thing. So just for those catching up, uh, maybe you're binging through. Uh, on Monday, we uh, got a, an email that came in from a pastor who said, you know, um, how do you... How do you keep from second-guessing some of your authoritative decisions? And and what, at what point in your ministry do you get to that place? I don't, I don't know if you ever fully get to that place because any decision you make is going to have repercussions, and sometimes those repercussions are not what you expected uh, or hoped for, and then you have to deal with that. So uh, that's where we uh, left off. So pick us up today. Give us, give us some thought on that. I'll let you start today. I often lead off, but let, why don't you lead off for us today? Well, I'm very thankful that I, the decisions I made were able to be, um, I asked for wisdom before them, and they were supported by my pastor if I asked for wisdom before I made them. So that's a blessing. But uh, being an assistant pastor, you have that opportunity of learning and training. And yet, at the same time, if you're an assistant pastor for a year, two, three, and you've got to go back to your pastor and ask him every single question, you're not advancing yourself. You know, so, uh, you know, many times, especially dealing with teenagers, you've got to make instant decisions. And so to be to be ready. So I, I would, I did, I studied why. Why would I be on a certain uh, outcome of a particular decision. Uh, I'd ask why, what, what is going on that maybe I didn't, that I missed. I, I want a Bible foundation for them, uh, if I can possibly do that. And so when I go through and think about it, have some consideration, have some prayer, and I find myself in a position of a question or a decision, I'm more likely to not second-guess that decision if I know I've got a good, solid basis for it. Now, of course, man, many times we we question how we did it, you know, perhaps the manner in which we did right. it. We're angry, we're upset, we're uh, trying, to, trying to deal with five things at once and sort of snapped at somebody. And, of course, there was, those are situations that, like like we said on Monday, your demeanor, maybe not your decision, but your demeanor needs to be a little bit different. Yeah, I th- I am very thankful that very early on in my ministry, I had Brother Holland to be able to bounce things off of first. And my wife was another one that I'd bounce things off and say, what do, what do you think about this? What, what about this idea? Um, I didn't do it all the time, but if it was a very difficult decision, I would try to, you know, obviously first seek the Lord and then go to those uh, 
in the next next junction. Why those two? Well, Brother Wolven, because he obviously knew the situations as, as well as I did. Um, we worked great in conjunction. He was a great um, a great one to be able to look at things from a different perspective. Uh, my wife, because she would understand the feelings of a woman better. And I, if I had to deal with a lady, she would better understand some of the emotions and feelings that would go with that. And because they were both very godly people. Um, Ruthie had grown up in a pastor's home. She had heard her dad make a lot of decisions and, and talk through decisions. Um, and she had great wisdom uh, because of that. And then Brother Holland as well was just a very godly man and uh, had a great compassion for people and understood my personality and how I'm I'm a very A-type personality. I'm a bull in a china shop sometimes. I want to get things done. And he's a little more laid back. He's a little more um, thought-provoking. And they would balance me. They balanced me out. Yeah, and of course, wisdom, godliness, it's all grounded in Scripture. You didn't just want a woman's perspective, or you could have asked any lady but you wanted a godly woman's perspective. You wanted somebody right. who who had that foundation of Scripture already. Mm. And sometimes a, a pastor needs to be able to discern maybe his wife has not grown in the Lord as quickly as perhaps maybe some other people. And to try to make that discernment between emotions and just seeing a woman's perspective or seeing a godly perspective, seeing a biblical right. perspective of how right. that fits. And, and of course, where mm-hmm. we are certainly makes a difference, too. So I agree with you, being able to have some, being able, when you have the time mm-hmm. and and you're not breaking a confidence whenever right. you're making the decision, if you can have some time to sort of really weigh it out, talk to some people hey what would you do i know a lot of times i get phone calls now from and i know you do too from pastors who say hey i'm going to give you a hypothetical situation because i'm not going to talk about it in my members but what if you were in this kind of a situation what would you do so yeah yeah and i was just going to say if you don't have a mike holland or a Denise or Ruthie, what do you do what what would you recommend people do if they don't have those people at their disposal yeah, find, you need to find some pastors anyway right. that are right. that are good. Iron sharpeneth iron, so man sharpeneth, sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. And there's so much in Proverbs and all of the scriptures about having good counsel, wise counsel, a mm-hmm. multitude of counselors. And so, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think that that's I think that's pretty important. I want to say that I've learned this as I get older. I have some men who are older than me that I confide in. I have some contemporaries like you and uh, our buddies that I confide in. And then I have some younger men. I have some young guys that I throw things by. Uh, Brother Levi Tyrrell is a great young man for that. I love that guy. Um, He's going to be leaving St. Thomas here in June and heading out to uh, the Vancouver area uh, to work with Brother Paul Connor out there for a while uh, before he heads out to start a church. And uh, he just wanted to get a different perspective, wanted to go to the city, you know, wanted to be in a progressive ministry. And um, but I would talk to Levi and say, Levi, you're a younger man. What, what's your take on this? How do you see this? How would you react to this? And uh, then I would ask, what What would you do? And I, I got some great advice from young from some young guys. Don't Amen. don't devalue young men. Amen. Um, 
A lot of them are very wise today. They understand the culture. They understand social media. They understand the impact of some of those things. Um, and, and so don't be afraid to have some younger men around you as well. I mean, Moses had Aaron and, um, you know, Joshua, Caleb. And so some of those younger guys were great, uh, great helps. And some older guys as well. And don't devalue an older man's experience. Oh, my goodness. Um, and even within the church, if you're a pastor, you're, you're just new to the church. You've been there a year or two. You come in, you start making decisions. In fact, I just had a, uh, a, a pastor contact me last week. He said, uh, I moved to a completely different culture, a different part of the country, and I'm struggling. I'm struggling a little bit. My family is struggling um, because it's so different. And he said, I think that the people here um, are set in their ways. They've done things a certain way for a long time. Here I come. I want to make things happen. I want to get things going. And some people are rustling against that. And so I think that sometimes as a pastor coming in, uh, you have to take your time in making some of those authoritative decisions. I tell people, preachers, the bigger the ship, the longer it takes to turn it. And sometimes you just have to take your time and make small little steps before you make those major steps. And I tell guys, it takes about 10 years, I think, for a church to really put their complete confidence and trust in you and know that you're there for the long haul and that you you know, want to guide them to something better. So how long are you going to pastor before you make a hard decision? I think you're going to wait. Well, it depends on the situation. I don't know if you can narrow it right down. But I, generically say, speaking, I would say two to three, maybe four years before you make major decisions. If it's something doctrinal, you got to do it right away. But if it's program or if it's, um, you know, tradition, I, I think you can wait a little bit on those. Yeah, you, you definitely need wisdom. I, I think if a decision needs to be made, you make it. You know, mm-hmm. it, it just, it, when you pray about it, when you know the Spirit of God is leading you, when when you, uh, I don't know about you, I always get nervous and get a little bit of an upset stomach whenever I got to deal with some kind of a Absolutely. decision that I know is going to impact somebody. Absolutely. And I, and I will tell you that we both have learned the first time you ever make that decision, it is agonizing. Yes. But if you have to make that same decision over and over, I don't second guess it because I, I know now that what I've done was right. And so that that is so important that as a pastor, there's going to be times that maybe your own family does not understand. I'm not going to take the time to explain it to my family because... They don't need to know everything behind what happened. It's it's it if the decision needed to be made, I know it was a right decision. I don't think you wait. Now, as far as instituting programs, maybe changing service times, all those kind of things, you you, you want to build up trust. You want the mm. people to learn to trust you. But if you, you know, if I walked in and a Sunday school teacher was teaching out of something other than the King James. Um, right. I don't think right then in front of the kids, I would make an issue. Right. But but I definitely there would not be another Sunday go by. There mm-hmm. would not. I mean, and if that person said no, well, this is what I believe. Then I'm going to say, well, I'm sorry. I don't care if that's my second Sunday there. 
I'm sorry, mm-hmm. we're, we're not going to do that here. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so, um, and those are decisions that, you know, I mean, as, as we've made decisions and you've seen the uh, ramifications, the, <laughs> hey, where's the gong? Uh, you, you've seen yeah. the results uh, of those, you know, um, and you know fully well, you get, you get to a point where it is very possible that this decision you're going to make with this family, this couple, this individual, they may leave the church over it and try to take other people with them. Right. So you make it anyway because we have to be right. If it is a right and a scriptural thing to do, you do it regardless of the consequences if it is right. Mm -hmm. And I agree. And that's why I say if it's a doctrinal issue, you've got to take care of it. If it's uh, Mrs., you know, Mrs. Little has had a pink classroom for 29 years because she loves pink. (laughs) And you hate pink, and it doesn't look good. Do you go in your second Sunday and say, "Okay, we're painting the church. This pink has got to go." Uh, no, no. Right. Um, you'll probably outlive Mrs. Little, and when she goes, <laughs> the pink goes with her. So, <laughs> some of those things. Yeah, there's many but, things uh, we do because we don't want to harm someone, um, mm-hmm. and there's a possibility that Mrs. Little is a strong enough Christian to where you're using that class for Mm multi-purpose that you've got, you may have to say, look, I I think we're going to have to wind up doing this because this doesn't match when the men meet for breakfast and the teens really want something that looks a little bit more. If you've got a multi-use building, that's one thing, you know, or the area, but you're right. There's some things that we say, you know, that hill isn't worth dying on. Right, and so um, we'll we'll go ahead and abide. It's it's not a doctrinal thing. It's not a scriptural thing. It's a, you know, we're let's give some people some leeway. They've been faithful for twenty three years, and I've only been here for two. You know, so right. y- you want to give some some understanding, and 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 make sure that we're not we're not uh, that authoritarian. Right. I like to plant seeds. I'll, I I would go to Mrs. Little and say, Mrs. Little, that pink is very nice, but you know, I think it's time to freshen things up. What do you think yes. about this? What do you What do you think if we change it to this? If she's adamant, oh no, it's got to be pink, then I'm going to leave it for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And she goes, you know, that that's not a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Give me some color suggestions that you think might work. I'm thinking in the palette of maybe a, a gray or a, you know mm-hmm. whatever, and and just walk away, leave it. And let her let her think about that a little bit, and come back to her and say, "What well, did, did you have some suggestions? What do you think? If her suggestion is not what you want, then plant some more seeds and walk away, and give it some time. If if you get to a point where you absolutely have to do something, and she's still not on board, then to the best of your ability, you have to placate that person and say, "You know what? Thank you so much. I appreciate what you've done, but I, I really think I need to make this decision, and I hope you'll support me, and and I love you for for what you've done, and be kind about it, and and understand that she still might have her her you know her uh, feathers ruffled. Uh, I made some decisions, and you know I, I'd hear people grumbling about it, and after about six months or a year, they'd come say, "You know, Pastor, that really is good. That really was a good decision." People don't like change, and especially if it's something they've had a part in. 
And, you know, my grandpa built this church and he built this and now you want to take it out. You're removing my grandpa from this church. No, we just want to bring it up to this century. Um, sometimes you have to give people a little bit of leeway that way. Yeah, awesome. if you've got to if you got to change Mrs. Little's class, probably the first thing I would do is meet with Mrs. Little and say, "What do you need for us to for for you to be better equipped? How can we help you?" Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and uh, is there like a training class that you'd like? Is there some kind of equipment? That we may be able to get are these chairs good enough or, or do you need maybe a better lectern would you like to use uh maybe a, a computer monitor of course if it's an older lady probably not but you know, just you, you're asking how can i help you how, how can how can we are there any resources that we can try to help you so you are even doing more for the lord because we appreciate it. if you win that person first then they will be probably on your side mm-hmm. more whenever right. you, whenever you have a decent reason why uh yeah. you know you'd like to change that classroom color you know bring it up to yeah. because and let me put another uh, asterisk i don't agree with you that people don't like change older people don't like change yeah young yeah. people yeah. want it they thrive yeah. on it and so man <laughs> as a true. pastor yeah. you've got to yeah. try to decide you know you've got both of these yeah. sides that yeah. you know one wants everything different every single service and the other is hey we never did that back in 1942 and so trying to blend that together wow yeah that's, that's fun. true well that and i'd like to say this that's that was plan a Plan B, you say, hey, Chicken Little, the sky's falling. Get out of the way. I'm going to run you over, old lady. I'm doing what I want to do. You've been here too long. I'm taking over. You're not running this ship anymore. Mutiny on the bounty. <laughs> you can do that, too. You'll lose half the congregation. Oh, you can. But you can yeah, exactly. You can have whatever color wall you want then. Sure. <laughs> You'll be paying for it by yourself for about 10 years. <laughs> hey, the Bible is always true. With yep. what measure ye meet, it shall yeah. be measured to you again. I, yeah. I know many pastors who are impatient and arrogant, and or at least they come off that way, and um, you know demeaning. And yet, if they do something wrong, they want people to give them latitude and leeway, but they won't give anyone any leeway. You know, if somebody scrapes a car with the church bus. They are on them, you know, just I'm just berating them and lecturing them. But if they wind up, you know, doing something by mistake, they want people to forgive them. You're not going to get it. Let me close with the lyrics to a song I heard as a kid. I'll give you a name of a group that wasn't super big, but man, we loved them at home. The Lowell Lundstrom Team. Never heard. I, I don't know who they were or whatever they were, but they sang a song, "Be kind, um, be kind to your neighbor." How's it? So, give me a sec. Um, kind to your neighbor. Be kind to your neighbor, and he'll be kind to you too. Be nice to the little guy on your way up, or you'll meet him on your way down. Mm. And it was, that's not the whole song, but just a little mm-hmm. bit of the lyrics. The idea that you treat people right, you be kind. Yes. Um, you know, don't don't boss people around, and and people will follow. They'll follow good leadership. And you have to set that example. So check it out, Lowell Lundstrom team. 
Yeah. yeah. Kind to your neighbor, and he'll be kind to you, too. Just do your best to meet the rest. Don't push nobody around. Be a nice little guy on his way up, or you'll meet him on your way down. That's 50 years ago, friends. Right there. Al wow. Stone. Boom. Yep. That yeah. is phenomenal. Whew. Yeah. You know, I yep. heard that song the other day, the exact same song, but it's sort of... Wow. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that was the that was the little 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 L Lundstrom team. <laughs> All right, one last comment. Um, Quick, we're out of time. Deal with. Sometimes you have to deal with people with their attitude, also. So yes. you know, if somebody scrapes a bus, uh, scrapes a car with the bus, and oh man, Pastor, I feel so bad. You can deal with it, but if somebody's like, "Ah, eh, no big deal." You may have to sort of clue them in and say, well, let me tell you, it is a big deal because if you do it again, the insurance may not let you drive our bus. You, know, mm-hmm. I, you may have to clue them in it, depending on what their attitude is. So, so be yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, that's Wednesday. And uh, we'll move ahead on Friday. Great question. Thought-provoking. Hope we're giving you something that will help. And uh, a lot of experience almost 80 years of experience and I got to a place where yeah I got to a place where I finally wanted to be the boss with nobody arguing with me so I left the pastorate and now I just tell myself what to do (laughs) and I am so mad at myself I'm gonna quit (laughs) I've had it (laughs) my boss is a jerk (laughs) I'm Al Stone I am in Vancouver, British Columbia, with Brother Josh Towns and their people. What a great, great group of people, and uh, enjoying very much our time there. This is Dan Wolven in Columbus, Ohio, and we are living life great. The weather is phenomenal, 70s, even 80s, sunny. (sighs) Yeah, it's um, 9 degrees Celsius and raining in Vancouver, <laughs> as I speak. Lovely, lovely place. We call it the Wet Coast. <laughs> this is Tim Docks. We'll be back on Friday. We'll look forward to having you with us. God bless you. Have a great day, eh? And we'll be back on Friday for another great edition of Tim Talks. See you then. You've been listening to Tim Talks, taking interest in ministry, with new podcasts added each Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. To learn more about your hosts, Dr. Al Stone and Pastor Dan Wolven, You can visit us at TimTalks.com. That's T-I-I-M Talks.com.